taken. I have the high ground. You underestimate my power. Don't try it. <laughs> so, Parth, what have you been eating? Trent, Trent, hello. I had, it's my mother's birthday today. Everybody say happy birthday to my mom. Happy birthday, Parth's mom. Happy birthday, Happy Parth's birthday, Parth's birthday Parth's What? Who are these people? It's the There's more people than event. you, Trent? A grand did you like what I did? Four. It's, it, there's another podcast here. <laughs> <laughs> Personally, I'd rather be identified as a human being than a podcast, but I understand why. Well, no, that's really nice, Adam. Need. We have Eye of the Duck here, guys. Well, and we have we have constantly alluded to how they are better than us, and now they're here. <laughs> oh my God! Well, it's like when Parth and I walk into the same room, people are annoying, and they're like, "Ah, the podcast." I'm sure that happens to you if you ever enter a room together. Uh, hmm. I don't think that's ever happened. They usually say, "Look at these two idiots." Yes. Really? But we have been in recent uh, in, in recent occasions when we've all hung out, Adam. You have to admit, people have been asking us about Eye of the Duck scenes. Like, you'll walk out of a movie and our friends will be like, I think this is the scene. And we'll That's be like, true. That's we true. don't talk about like this outside of the podcast, guys. Yeah, it must be <laughs> annoying because you don't want to like step on the toes of future episodes. That's true. That, that is also true, actually. Yeah, I do find myself holding back uh, opinions in conversations in because I'm like, I gotta save it for the pod. It's gotta be fresh. Yeah, can you guys not just like go see a movie on a on a lazy Sunday now and talk about it afterwards in fear of doing it in the future? Hmm. I think uh, we 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 sort of drifted away from covering new releases, so hmm. it's actually gotten easier to go and see films together and and actually just treat it like we're hanging out and talking about a movie. Nice. Yeah, um, but it's very surreal because when we begin talking about the movie after the movie then it feels like we're doing the show but we're like standing <laughs> on the street without headphones on and no one is listening to us. I will also add actually that um, my wife who does not listen to Eye of the Duck nice. um, I mean she hears like half of it being recorded but she doesn't listen to the show and she went to go and see a movie and then she came home and she's like you need to go and see this movie so I can tell you my Eye of the Duck scene. I was like aha! I've done it. I've infected you. Ah, my mom the other day said uh, we watched The Godfather two over her holiday, and she said I think that this movie has two Eye of the Duck scenes. Did you tell her she's breaking the rules and she's not allowed? <laughs> <laughs> that is a violation. That has is, anyone it, on your yeah. show ever come forth and tried to present like two, like uh, a dichotomy of scenes, and you had to, like shut them down? Hmm. We've been loose uh, with the rules. I think we need yeah, to start we're, cracking we're pretty, down, though. we're pretty chill about it. If someone says, I have two scenes I want to talk about, we usually just let them let them run with it. Yeah. Well, since we're here, do you want to just, like, explain what your podcast is to all the significantly fewer craft services viewers that exist out there? <laughs> got free airtime. <laughs> okay, Eye of the Duck is a film podcast hosted by me and Adam where we search for the Eye of the Duck scene of every film, meaning... Each film has a scene that sort of represents the whole, and we explore the film by trying to find that scene. So in Revenge of the Sith, of course, it's the scene <laughs> when Emperor Palpatine gets uh, electrocute or he electrocutes Mace Windu, and he says, No, don't kill me! <laughs> I'm too weak! Oh, don't kill me, please! It's not the Jedi way! <laughs> I'm, I'm too weak! <laughs> 
Don't kill me. <laughs> that's the eye of the duck. Awesome. That's awesome. an interesting pick. I like that pick. That's the scene we're all thinking about. <laughs> Not to be this guy, but I think it's Anakin killing the younglings. Master Skywalker. Master Skywalker. There are too many of them. What are we going to do? Yeah, that's, mm. I feel like that's a, a strong eye of the duck pick. I think it might be the moment where the kind of um, really tired medical droid <laughs> says to Obi-Wan Kenobi, I don't get it, man. She's just like lost the, lost the will to live and then sort of shrugs. Um, she died of a broken heart. Medically, she's completely healthy. For reasons we can't explain, we are losing her. She's dying. We don't know why. She's lost the will to live. I like how on your show, every episode you do the shtick of saying, like, the stupidest thing that happened and very seriously presenting it as the eye of the duck. <laughs> it's the joke it has that has to, to be made. Sometimes yeah, it, it is. has to happen. We've got we to we keep each other on our toes, so, you know, things like that are bound to happen. Wait, you can keep advertising if you want, but we have to get on with our show eventually, so it's an integral part that we talk about what we've eaten, and we're still only in the intro. That's true. So, come on, guys. Okay. All right. I had some uh, miso-glazed cod with a side of white rice and some uh, broccolini. Wow. Delicious. Really good. Sounds amazing. I was at work, and we found out that Rutgers was paying for our lunch, and so I got a tray of nachos for $17 that I'm going to eat for the next week. Thank you, Rutgers. Wow. Wow, I do not miss being a college student. I was student. about to that say really, that. Uh... <laughs> that sounds like a week of stomach pain Because I'm me. poor or nachos? <laughs> <laughs> just, just, no, no, not not because of financial insecurity, but just, I mean, that also, I, I was financially insecure as a student, but, no, like, just the entire sentence, the, in, the entire thing just, like, I got I got in a situation where someone bought me a plate of nachos and I'm gonna make it last for an entire week. Like that is so, like there was there was a week in when I was a freshman where I went to some event and it, it, I went to the event because it had free pizza and at the end of the event they would just like take whatever is left. So I took an entire box of of pizza home, an entire pie, back to my dorm room and it didn't fit in the fridge. So I just let it sit out on my desk for days <laughs> and just every day ate this pizza and of course eventually got very sick from it. Nice. Um, so I don't miss being a student. It's crazy how when you're 18, like the sentence like free hot dogs can like get you to like take a bus to go somewhere. Huh? Yeah. What did I eat for dinner? Most, most recently. Most recently. Most recently I had a delicious apple. I think it might've been a gala or a uh, Macintosh. It had a little bit of green in it. I like my apples to be crisp, red and green. It has to have that, those two colors. And uh, I like a apple that's more on the sour side, more tart. Um, I can't stand a soft apple. Like, the firmer the better in my book. Yeah, can we get into that? Soft apples. I can't freaking... I, I don't ever want to get them anywhere near my mouth. Don't get me started, Parth. Uh, what did I eat? <laughs> uh... <laughs> Uh, this, is your, this is your section, bud. Uh, Isn't this your show? Don't you know how it starts? <laughs> whoa, whoa, okay. Uh, no, I was thinking because I recently found out that I probably have oral allergy syndrome. Nice. Um, because Brag. What does that mean? Brag. I'll, well, I'll get into it. Don't worry. <laughs> Don't worry. Uh, basically, when I, I whenever I have an apple or a carrot that's raw, it, it'll get my throat really, like, itchy. And I would... Oh, I have this exact same condition. I can't eat apples. Oh my yeah, but god! You're actually allergic, Adam, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm fully allergic. Yeah. Dom and I are just like... munching on apples. I can, but I can have apple pie. Like I can have. Yeah, me too. I can have it if it's cooked. Yeah. Okay, so here's here's a crazy thing. I was at my girlfriend's like 
house at college and we were eating food but it was definitely not enough food and she was like have some celery and I was like I don't like celery it makes my throat feel funny and she was like are you allergic and I was like no I don't think so I think it just makes my throat feel funny she's like Karth that's stupid you're probably (laughs) allergic allergic. and and she's like if you're not allergic then you have to have it and I had it and made my throat feel funny and then she searched it up and there's something where it's like your body mistakes stuff from food that's when it's raw and it mistakes it for pollen yes whoa so i have that yeah no i have the the same thing i have insanely bad seasonal allergies which also means i can't eat like most fruit same yeah but you're not actually allergic adam (laughs) all this time you've been telling me how allergic you are to fresh fruit and now i'm finding out that it's just some sort of vague no it's just a misunderstanding within yourself If 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 part or I eat like a whole apple, our throats will close up. Yeah, it's that simple. I'll, I'll like doesn't I'll, sound it, that bad. It's like really awful. Like I'll, we always make apple pie for Thanksgiving, and I can't help but eat some of the like raw, covered in like sugary goodness, and Never the, again. just feel terrible. <sighs> but I had birthday cake most recently, nice. since everybody wanted to know. Were you allergic to that? No, no, that was that went down easy. Y- you finding Thank out about God. this problem so late in life is like. Everyone gets to college and then finds out they're lactose intolerant because humans aren't meant to drink milk. And that's just when your body decides that it can't take it anymore. I agree. I, right. I, I think we should make it clear to your listeners that Adam and I are sort of the original craft services podcast because we also went to Rutgers. Oh, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Rutgers oh, alum. That's true. So you're like team deacons in the deaconsing us. Like how we undercut mm. team deacons, you're undercutting us. <laughs> yeah, sounds about right. Wait, what do you mean you undercut Team Deacons? All right, Parth. Cue the intro. Welcome back to Craft Services, where we talk about Trent. The movies. Each week we talk about a film and hopefully have a crew member of that film to talk with us about their experience working on the picture. Last week we talked with... Matt Toll. Yep. What was his What was his job? He was the first assistant camera on Star Wars: Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. Is was that awesome or? Yeah. Really pleasant time. You should go listen to it. Right. Yeah. Have you already recorded that one? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's I... all ready to go. That's coming out this Sunday. You're talking to two month ago Trenton Parth, but I remember it really fondly. What did you learn? I want to know what you learned from the first first AC. Was it first AC or first? Or a cam operator. What did you say? It was AC. Yeah, uh, first AC. He Very cool. basically was like George doesn't get why people go Gaga for Star Wars. He doesn't. He doesn't understand the hype, and that it was kind of a it's kind of a boring shoot because he was just like eh, that's fine. Okay. <laughs> we we keep in- interviewing people who have like like really mundane interactions with George Lucas and just hearing like their day-to-day like droll conversations with him is like so it's like catnip for me and every guest does a George Lucas voice and it's it's awesome yeah they're already building sets god help me I'm gonna have to start this script pretty soon but but what are we here to talk about now well we're here to discuss Revenge of the Sith with the Eye of the Duck podcast co-hosts uh, who have graciously decided to come our, on our pod to battle uh, us? Two versus one. two. Yeah. Fight. So sure. just so just so we can get you guys talking, like you guys are like a bit older than us and probably remember the prequels coming out. And mm-hmm. I kind of I remember seeing this movie in theaters, but none of the other ones. 
and primarily because the first one I wasn't yet born. So like, what? Do, what, what <laughs> that do you must think that, that must have held you back from seeing it. Yeah. Wow, you weren't born yet. Yeah, it was two, I don't two think years you, away. I don't think you're. I, I think if you if you had tried harder, if you really were a true yeah, Star Wars fan, for? you would have found a way you to see seen the Phantom Menace in a movie theater. The sparkle in your father's eye. You know, it's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, we're very old. We're about um, what are we? Sixty, seventy? In your remember. eyes, Adam, we are. We Time are times become a flat aged. circle for me. Yeah, <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I saw I saw all three of these in the movie theater. I remember loving uh, pretty much all of them at the time that I watched them. Whoa! Yes, because I was a small boy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It must there must have been so much to react to having seen the Phantom Menace for the first time in the theaters. But like, were people angry? I saw the Phantom Menace probably like six or seven times that summer because it was like a really hot summer. And all I remember is my mom just taking us to the movies like over and over because it was very hot and the movie theaters had air conditioning. We did not. And I thought it was like the greatest movie ever made. <laughs> you know, how old were we, Adam? Like six or something? Ten? I think maybe, I want to say eight? Yeah. Seven or eight maybe? I don't there. know. I saw this, I believe I saw this film in Bournemouth with my, with my dad. Uh, maybe my whole family, I can't remember, because every summer we would go and visit my grandparents down in Bournemouth, and the previous summer, I believe they had played the entire original trilogy, um, and so I saw those films. Uh, or maybe it was across three summers? I can't remember. Dom, do you remember how they did it? I know they re-released the original trilogy before Phantom Menace came out. Yeah, I was not, like, sentient at that phase, and I have I have no <laughs> recollection of that. Was that in 97? Somewhere around that that there. sounds about yeah. right, yeah. Um, but I remember my, my dad taking me to see all three of them, so I was like already kind of like obsessed with Star Wars. Um, and then this came, the, well, Phantom Menace came out, went to see that, and I was all in. Um, I was definitely into the prequels when I was a kid. Speaking of sentience, my first memory ever is when at four years old seeing General Grievous's face on screen. And so that's actually that's your first living memory that, is locking eyes with General Grievous. Well, it was me and my my mom took me to movie theater to see something else, and then it was the old thing where you're, you're walking out, and then they're like, "Let's go pop our head into another one." And we popped in, and it was Revenge of the Sith, and General Grievous was on screen, and it scared the crap out of me. And then we had to leave, and that's my first memory. Ah, uh, was he wow. coughing? <coughs> I was gonna say it's only a matter of time until we address um, his Your cough. fear of coughing. No, um, <laughs> well, I mean, we'll get into this into the fun facts, but if, unless IMDb is tricking me, apparently that's George Lucas's cough. Really? Yeah. Wow. According, okay. According to legend, unless people lie on the internet, which... it's very, very strange. Wow. I want to do the I cough. think I, I I knew that the I believe the the voice is performed by someone from like ILM, right? Who was yeah. just kind of like messing around doing voices and they were like that'll work and they <laughs> they gave him the gave him the role, but I didn't know the cough was a a sample from George Lucas. Wow. All four is really an R2 painted red, isn't it? Careful what you're saying about R4 because you can get bopped on the head real quick. Real quick. Um, I was going to say, General Grievous is uh, he's patient zero, right? That's where it all began. Wow. Uh, mm. Yes. 
someone asked me today, they were like, is, is, so is General Grievous, like, he used to be a human, and that's why he has a heart and stuff? And I was like, I don't care. <laughs> I don't. And, who, and who I'm sure probably George Lucas there. doesn't either. No. <laughs> well, Yoda has green blood, so. <laughs> True. You learn about General Grievous's coughing in that, um, that Star Wars Clone Wars animated series. The Jenny Tarkov? What's his yeah. name? Yeah. That's Gen right, yeah. The, the yeah. Gendy Tarkov. Gendi Tartakovsky? Yeah. Is that it? I think so. Yeah. That series is great. That Very is actually good. that is now sort of my my mental sort of like if I if I'm interested in prequel territory, I end up watching that mm. and instead of the the live action films. Right. Speaking of prequel territory, Revenge of the Sith, I think pretty universally it's like if we're going to watch a prequel movie, this is going to be the one. Like yep. I don't know anyone in their in the free time who's like Attack of the Clones tonight, you know? <laughs> I know a couple of people that do Phantom Menace, but I yeah. don't have anyone that, that opts for Attack of the Clones. I know, like, like 11-year-old me would have opted for Attack of the Clones mm-hmm. because you got that big stadium scene big with all the Jedi. Fighting. Yeah. And Count Dooku, no. Shocky, Shocky. Yeah. And you've also got Dexter Jetster, who, like, makes mm-hmm. the movie. And you see Yoda jumping around. He fights Dooku. Although you get some Yoda in this one too, but that that movie as a kid just blew my fucking mind. Yeah, I remember in the lead up to that film, the way that you used to find spoilers for movies um, back in ye old internet was the really the smart thing to do was to go on European eBay and look at the uh, the Lego sets on there. Oh. You typed in Star Wars Lego like a year before oh um, a movie was coming out into European eBay. You would always see like you know, someone who has found, like, you know, for example, I knew that there was going to be a Yoda doing a lightsaber fight long before the movie came out because there was a, uh, you could find on European eBay a Lego set of Yoda holding a lightsaber and Count Dooku holding a lightsaber. And that was also how we all learned that Count Dooku was going to have that cool curved uh, lightsaber mm. handle. Oh. It's crazy how they did the double lightsaber for Darth Maul. And then they're like, okay, how can we make this guy's lightsaber special? And they're like, let's just curve it a little. You know, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it affects his fighting style. Mm-hmm. I think the I think that you know, for whatever you want to say about these films, um, there is an effort to sort of expand the world sure. and stuff like even you know the every you know all, all these new Sith characters they all have their own specific fighting style. I, the whole time I was watching this, I kept uh, I was actually really like into the way that Palpatine fights. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't expect to like enjoy watching. Ian McDermott with crazy CG face wrinkles twirling around, <laughs> but the way that he chews the scenery combined with how they've directed the fight choreography for him, it's actually really fun. Yes, this is a good movie. Adam will not agree, but Whoa. <laughs> Revenge of the Fist is a very good movie. Star Wars is good. Adam does not like Star Wars, and I do. That's the difference here. See, th- th- this might be scandalous in of itself, but our pa- this is prequel winter after all, so we did Phantom Menace and we did Attack of the Clones, and I think our conclusion on both of those were a general thumbs down. But this is like the, the overcompensation of all overcompensations. Overcompensation as a film, you think? <clears throat> like, I don't in a, know. I feel like, like this is the culmination of his vision. Like, in a good way, because we made observations that in the first movie, like, nothing happens. And then in the second movie, like, everything happens, but it means nothing. And then in this movie, it's like, everything <laughs> happened happen that matter. Things happen that matter. I think well, Lucas had a vision for the prequels, and it didn't come to fruition in full form until this movie. I agree with that. 
I would agree. I think that's fair. I think he. I think he. he you can. There is a clear through line through all of these films, which uh, isn't something you can say of every Star Wars trilogy. Uh, which? Um. What are you referring to, Adam? <laughs> With that being said, we should. Should we get into the synopsis? The other stuff we do. What do we do, Trent? What is it? Let's, let's do it. Wait. Should we do the section before the section? Oh, we should. Wait. We have to do the ten ten word synopsis. That's what I'm saying. So we've been holding our guests hostage and forcing them to describe the film in 10 words or less so you can talk amongst yourselves about who the, who that's going to be. Dom, should we each contribute five words each? Okay. Uh, Anakin becomes Darth Vader. So I'm going to take four words for the front and you can have the rest. But Obi-Wan must <laughs> defeat him. Yeah, wow, that's not bad. 10 words. All right. Okay. There we go. But IMDb put it this way. Three years into the Clone Wars. Oh, you're just going to show us up immediately? <laughs> that's, that's the whole... There's barely a breath between us finishing that and you just steamrolling all over it. That's one of the better ones we've had. Yeah. Thank you. That's why they pay us the big bucks. More importantly, three years into the Clone Wars, the Jedi rescue Palpatine from Count Dooku. As Obi-Wan pursues a new threat, Anakin acts as a double agent between the Jedi Council and Palpatine and is lowered into a sinister plan to rule all the galaxy. Trent, do you want to tell Works us how me. much it cost and what it made? Um, so believe it or not, Attack of the Clones had a higher budget than this movie, and the budget is $113 million, and the box office is $868.4 million US. That, that budget somehow feels too low. Right? Yeah. Uh, after having watched this film. Especially with yeah. the preceding film that like is worse and smaller and so in every way. And looks so Costing, I, like, we, taught, we alluded to this a little bit, but it's like, probably because they were developing the technology for that film, because that was such a huge step forward, and then at least they had some of the, the, the tools to play with. And so Yeah, and I wonder if there were like assets they were reusing, like things like the Jedi Temple, they were just copying yeah. and pasting from the last film and, and things like that. Well, Parth, you want to do the production history? Yeah, uh, this is a little bit of a long one, so I'll try to get through it relatively quickly. Um, so George Lucas started working on the screenplay for Episode 3 before Attack of the Clones had even been released, and had been proposing to concept artists that the film would open with a montage of seven battles on seven planets. The title is a Hmm. reference to Revenge of the Jedi, the original title of Return of the Jedi, which Lucas changed weeks before the premiere, declaring that Jedi do not seek revenge. Lucas had originally planned to include more ties to the original trilogy, with an early draft including a 10-year-old Han Solo appearing on Kashyyyk, but the role was never cast or shot. He also wrote. Am, am I allowed to interrupt you during this time? Anytime. I just l- he- hearing you you read that, I'm just reminded of something I kept thinking about while watching, which is just like I kind of feel like George Lucas is is just to blame for the like unending like fan service in just every movie now. Um, <laughs> I, I the whole time I was watching this, especially the sequences on Kashyyyk, which going to interrupt myself to just remind the audience that, that is a word that has three y's in it um, <laughs> which is just incredible um in succession that whole all those yeah in succession it's it's k-a-s-h-y-y-k which is just brilliant um why do we have that entire sequence like yoda has plenty to do outside of that but for some reason they're like oh we'll just send yoda off to chewbacca's planet and you'll 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 meet chewbacca it doesn't make I don't know. It's, well, it's uh, so he can throw it, his little green lightsaber into the heart of a clone trooper. Right, but it's all, just all this winking and nodding at the camera that, like, 
I'm like, is this is this where it began? Did it begin with the Star Wars prequels? Watching the Kashyyyk scene today, I was like, the Wookiees are the Red Army, and they are just sacrificing bodies, you know? It's true. Yeah. I mean, Coyote I, Monday I, says, what about the droid attack on the Wookiees? <laughs> what about the droid attack on the Wookiees? <laughs> it's true. And it's one of the last, like, Republic strongholds that they can save. What's your question, Adam? <laughs> my qu- No, my question is a, is a more broad question, which is, is are these films, like... Are these are these films the first time we get yeah. sort of this level of fan service? And did that reshape, you know, cinema as we know it? Yeah, you're probably right, honestly. I had it in my notes that George Lucas created the first MCU movie. Kind yeah. Of, in like <laughs> yeah, style. There you go. I don't know. It's interesting. Like the last shot of this movie, like or it's it is the the twin sons and i know that's how they end all the trilogies mm-hmm. at this point but it felt particularly on the nose and like ending the whole the, the whole quadrilogy skywalker who the fuck with it like makes sense but now it's like they're really just going for that beat over and over it's poetry it's supposed to rhyme it's true you, you, yeah <laughs> that's what he says Lucas also wrote a scene in which Palpatine reveals to Anakin that he created him from the midichlorians and thus is his, in quotes, father. The scene was also deleted. Uh, Although that's pretty much been made canon again. I I thought this was in contention because I know that that's in a comic, but then isn't that him... I don't remember. Is that a canon comic or is it? I believe so. Okay. I believe it's a yeah, canon that. comic, but it it's Anakin having like a nightmare. Yeah, I think I, that's yeah, that where was like the, the contention yeah. comes from. But I think the general idea that Anakin was made by the Sith is pretty much accepted at this point. But I could be wrong. I think it makes sense. Why not? Well, that would explain the whole, like, immaculate conception of the first one. Because we watched that, and we're like, we didn't remember how Jesus-y this was. And so if some, some, like, rogue, like, droid went and impregnated her, that makes more sense, if it's for the Sith. No, it's not a rogue droid. He, like, manipulated uh, Shmi Skywalker's uh, womb and filled it with metachlorians, right? Oh, yeah. That's what happened. <laughs> yeah. No, it makes a lot more sense very, when you very, put it that very way. Very cool and normal stuff. My bad. Yes. Yeah. After principal photography was completed in 2003, Lucas made even more changes to Anakin's character and rewrote his entire turn sequence. Uh, he accomplished this rewrite through editing principal, footi- principal footage and filming new scenes during pickups in London in 2004. In previous versions, Anakin had more reasons for his turn, but Lucas streamlined this by making his primary desire to save Padme from death. Do you have a sense of what those additional reasons were planned to be? It, I think it was supposed to like tie in more to the political aspects. I know that it was supposed to tie in more that he genuinely believed that the Jedi Council was plotting to overthrow the uh, Senate and mm. the Chancellor, but I think hmm. that he wanted to keep it closer to the emotion, which... To, to interject on that, my I was watching this movie with my housemates today, and they'd never seen this movie. And I explained, they were like, "Okay, why is Anakin evil?" And I was like, "Oh, it's to save his wife." And they're like, "That's pretty noble." And then it came to the scene where he's killing all the kids, and they're like, "Wait, but like, well, what does this have to do with his wife?" And I was like, "No, that's a good question." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's some uh, some iffy stuff there. Well, he's seduced by the dark side. Well, if, well that makes sense. Keep that in yeah. mind. That's true, and I also think that once he has, um, once he's killed Mace Windu, he's kind of like, ah, oh, well, I'm, I'm down this now. rabbit hole. I've, I've I've made my bed. I might as well yeah, lie he, in he it. Yeah, he was he was pot committed. 
Well, I think at this point, Anakin becomes convinced that the Jedi are uh, are evil, right? That the Jedi are. are... I, th- I think it's easier for him to believe that, even if you know, even or, or like tell himself that. Yeah. I don't mm-hmm. know that because I feel like two scenes before that. I'm not feeling that he definitively thinks the Jedi are evil. Yeah. I think it's more that he he sees the the Sith way of thinking as a way of ensuring Padme's survival and it's a lot easier to swallow that pill if he also tells himself and also the Jedi are evil, they're an enemy of yes. democracy and they're going to, you know, drag out this war longer and cause more death and it'll be a net positive if I kill all these children. Yes. Sorry, um, uh, I th- I think you mean younglings. I think if you read this film through the lens of The Last Jedi, you begin to understand why Anakin could think some of these things because when Mm -hmm. you start to reconsider the way the Jedi act in these films, they are kind of like a uh, uh, a, a lethal, like, I mean, they... The space cops. Yeah, like they, they decide everything. It's kind of like a fascistic, even though they pretend to be democratic, they have a council, they have swords, and they kill everything <laughs> in their way. And they don't let... Anakin be a master on the council. I mean, it's I would outrageous. be too. It's outrageous. It's unfair. Despite yeah. his powers. There are no ladies on the council. I feel like if these movies were done... No, there is. There's Yaddle. Yaddle is a female of Yoda's species. <laughs> is that, is that true? Council. Yeah. <laughs> wow, you boys don't Never know about that. Yaddle? The one below. Yaddle, True. <laughs> Yaddle is not in uh, this one. I think by the time oh, she of isn't. this film, she's gone. But there are some other ladies. There's, there's, there's Jedi ladies that we see getting killed in this one. There's a but they're not on the... Yeah. During Order 66. Oh, I was going to say, are you telling me Order 66 got Yaddle? That's just hard to believe. No, no, no. Yaddle, I, would... I think, is done by now. Shaq T, she is a woman on the council. She's the Twi'lek, right? Uh, I think so. There's also Yarl Poof. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh no, that he's a man. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. I misgendered Yarl Poof. <laughs> Addie Galia, she's a cool one. You can play as her in Jedi Power Battles, one of my favorite games for the PlayStation One. Do you guys ever play Star Wars Battlefront Two? Like, not to get too carried away, but like on the PS2, that's an awesome. Which game. one? Oh yeah, the PS2 oh, the one PS2, is very yeah. good. And then I played the new Battlefront on PS4, and I didn't play the new Battlefront 2 on the PS4. That one I did not bother with. No. I played um, it all. But war- If you want to talk about Star Wars video games, there are so many of them, and I think Dom and I have probably played about mm-hmm. 100 apiece. War is so much more satisfying when it's killing stormtroopers. Wait, but tell us about like what the best and brightest are. I've been playing Star Wars Revenge of the Sith for the Game Boy Advance. Oh, for Game Boy Advance. actually okay. an incredibly good game. The, the I, I, Revenge I played of the, the Xbox Yeah, game that one's very Revenge good, of too. Revenge of the Sith. It was very good. Which yeah, is now... I, I remember really enjoying it's that. It's available and, and, on, on the Xbox Series SX right now through Game Pass. Oh, that's a fun one, especially to do a, a co-op campaign. Because you do a co-op campaign, then you and your like couch buddy play as uh, Obi-Wan and Anakin, respectively. Yes. And I believe there's an alternate ending. I remember this, that you could, you could um, overthrow the Emperor and you could rule the galaxy. Oh really? And you would and you would do it as uh, as Anakin, uh, not as like you know Tin Man Darth Vader. Whoa. Did you guys play Lego Star Wars or was that past your time? Uh, it was both past my time and I played it. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> the yeah. new uh, Lego Star Wars Castaways game for mobile is very good. 
Um, it just came out like a few weeks ago, and I I named it the best mobile game of 2021 on Esquire magazine. Nice. Wow. Wait, Parth. Speaking of Star Wars, let's continue on with the production history. <laughs> <laughs> oh right. Oh, I have one last thing to say about that Revenge of the Sith game. I don't even remember if we have we talk about this, but I'm pretty sure the opening, like that whole sequence, was about an hour long in the first cut of this movie, and that some of the deleted scenes are in the video game. I think. I haven't. Played oh the wow! Game. I do remember there being um, actual footage. Yeah, in the there's video cinematics. Game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You were saying the this like the one take of them flying around the ship at the beginning that was an hour long originally no no not, not the one take like that entire sequence of the the stuff on the okay yeah that though that whole thing took an hour which in the final movie it's like half an hour I yeah think. it said all gotcha. of the chancellor stuff like them getting off the ship was the first hour of the movie and this was when it was a four hour cut kill him kill him now i shouldn't do it the first bulk of principal photography occurred from June 30th, 2003 to September 17th, 2003, with additional photography occurring at Shepperton Studios in Surrey and Elstree Studios in Hertfordshire. Hertfordshire. Hart- Hertfordshire. Hart. Yeah. Come from on. August 2004 to <laughs> January 31st, 2005. Initial filming took place on sound stages at Fox Studios Australia in Sydney, and the art department used Star Wars The Holiday Special as inspiration for Kashyyyk for the Kashyyyk environment. <laughs> oh, I love that. Wow. Hayden Christensen says that Lucas asked him to, quote, bulk up and physically show the maturity that had taken place between the two films. And he said that he worked out with a trainer in Sydney for three months, ate six meals a day, and was on every protein weight gain supplement that man has created to go from 160 wow. pounds to 185 pounds. Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen performed all their own lightsaber stunts and uh, had no stunt doubles. Damn. I think that's more for the final fight. I'm sure they use stunt doubles. But uh, Christensen begged and pleaded with Lucas to be in the actual Darth Vader costume, to which Lucas obliged, and the costume department created a new suit specifically for Hayden Christensen, and the new costume featured shoe lifts and a muscle suit. And it also required Christensen Hmm. to look through the helmet's mouthpiece because he was not tall enough. (laughs) I did know that. In 2004, Gary Oldman was approached to play the role of the voice role of General Grievous, but did not as the film was made outside the Screen Actors Guild. That's interesting. Also, I just want to quickly circle back to Elstree. I wasn't, I couldn't remember, but I double checked and I lived 12 minutes from Elstree Studios. Oh my God. How crazy. As a boy, as a lad. As, as a youngling. Nice. <laughs> uh, the post-production department, uh, handled by ILM, began work during filming and, continu- and continued until weeks before the film's release in 2005. Special effects were created using almost all formats, including model work, CGI, and practical effects. The same department later composited all the work into film scenes, with both processes taking nearly two years to complete, and Revenge of the Sith had a, at the time, world record for... 2,151 visual effects shots. The premiere took place in Seattle, Los Angeles, Chicago, Washington, D.C., Boston, Denver, Atlanta, San Francisco, and Miami on Thursday, May 12, 2005. The firm Challenger Gray and Christmas uh, claimed the film cost the U.S. economy approximately $627 million in lost productivity because of employees (laughs) who took a day off or reported in sick. (laughs) Oh, I love that. Timestamped work print of the film leaked onto the internet hours before opening in theaters. And one week after that, I bought a copy of it on the street of Chinatown. Oh my gosh, we're going to get into that. Eight people were later filed with copyright infringement and distributing material illegally. 
Um, the illegal copy was passed among seven people until reaching an eighth party who pled guilty to uploading it to an unnamed peer-to-peer network. The leaked print was released in Shanghai as a bootleg DVD with Chinese subtitles, and they chose to include subtitles that were translated back into English from the Chinese translation rather than from the English script, resulting in in subtitles that were heavily heavily mistranslated, often causing unintentional humor. For example, in the opening crawl, the title is mistranslated as Star War, The Third Gathers, Dash, The Backstroke of the West. (laughs) Darth Vader's cry of no is rendered as do not want. It's not wrong. In 2016, YouTube user Grateful Deadpool uploaded a fan edit of Revenge of the Sith in which the cast voices were dubbed by other actors to match the bootleg subtitles. That's I love that. Adam, did your did your Chinatown DVD work? No, I remember now. I didn't actually buy it. It was my uh, my friend. Uh, I won't name him. Uh, I don't want him to go to jail for copyright infringement. Yeah. Um, but my friend bought it and then gave it to me. And because uh, I remember, I think I had seen the film opening night maybe with my my dad and some friends but uh the rest of my family hadn't seen it so i remember it was it was like a wild thing to you know a week after seeing the film be able to just watch it in your living room uh, and now we have same day and new. date i know i know times times sure have changed dom your spider-man 2 disc story is a very relatable cause <laughs> just, just endlessly hitting the play button thinking something's going to change yes yeah, for for your listeners who haven't listened to our Spider-Man episode on Eye of the Duck, uh, my brother came home from China with a, a bag of bootleg DVDs, and Spider-Man 2 had not come out yet, but he had a Spider-Man 2 DVD, but it would not work. It's very sad. And those uh, Chinese bootlegs also had a lot of that same sort of uh, mistranslated uh, text, like all over the front and back covers, which were always funny to to read correct me if i'm wrong but did you not also have like a copy of spider-man with like a fart sound effect for like no that was oh okay (laughs) that was me i i believe i i was thinking about it the other day i was trying to remember where i got it from and i believe i got it from a torrent website called demonoid.com which is i think Uh, is is gone now but demonoid's gone i think so Uh. yeah and I want to make sad. it very clear that piracy is very bad, and I don't support it. I was a I was a young man. I didn't know any better, and I had no other way of watching the movie. And that is a in a sense is preservation, not piracy. You wouldn't steal a car. <laughs> I sure wouldn't. George Lucas deliberately made the Darth Vader suit top heavy, so Hayden Christensen appeared to be not too accustomed to it in the movie. Um, much of the volcanic eruption on Mustafar's real footage of Mount Etna in Italy. Oh, Dom, that's where you're from. It's true. I, I, I'm from that volcano, actually. Like the motherland is Mustafar for you? Yes. Wow. I love going back to Mustafar anytime I can. Actually, they visit Mustafar in the Rise of Skywalker. They you guys do. didn't know. That is the, right. the gray planet where, where uh, Adam Driver massacres everyone. The best of these movies. Don't they also cut to it in, in Rogue One? Yeah. Isn't the implication that Vader's palace is, mm-hmm. is on Mustafar? Yeah. Uh, Ewan McGregor had Lucasfilm make him a looped reel of all the Sir Alec Guinness scenes from the original trilogy so that he studied them and perfect both the accent and pacing of his words. Uh, I found this to be wild. Every clone trooper in the film is CGI, not a single real 
clone costume or helmet was featured in the movie. And you can really tell when you watch it on a big television. <laughs> uh, but I will say, I mean, it, you can tell, but it is no more or less distracting than when you are watching um, any Iron clip Man. Of, of, of War Machine in, in any Marvel yeah. film where Don Cheadle's head is just weirdly floating above the rest of his body. Yeah, most of the CG in this film, and from my perspective, really holds up, which is fucking crazy because it's very old at this point. Uh, George Lucas originally intended to have Peter Cushing reprise his role as Grand Moff Tarkin years after his death through the use of stock footage and digital technology, <laughs> but this idea was scrapped as uh, the technology was not yet there. Um, they would do this in Rogue One, as we know. Chancellor Palpatine's strategy for maintaining power is known to political scientists and is called Perpetual War. He comes to power through conflict with the Trade Federation, gains greater privileges through the Clone War, and solidifies his position through war on the Jedi. Um, and the sound of General Grievous coughing is George Lucas's own coughing. After ve- developing a bad cough during production, Lucas insisted that he do the voiceover. I like that. I like it. It's him leaving his little thumbprint on things. I do want to circle back to Palpatine for a moment and this perpetual war thing and just just Palpatine in general, his motivations in general. It never struck me until watching it this time just how, like, kind of uninteresting Palpatine's arc is because I just, don't, I just don't get it. It's just like, you want, you want to be all-powerful and then do what with it? Like, he's like, I want to be all-powerful so I can be president of everything. Like, why? He wants to rule the to, galaxy. To accom- yeah, he wants yeah, to take to over the world. What end? But Adam, some but men to just want. What end? Some men just that's... want to watch the world burn. Adam. No, that's but that's not his arc here. This isn't. This isn't. This isn't about uh, uh, about chaos. This is about control, right? But I'm just. I just don't understand because at the. I mean, as much as I really enjoy watching uh, Ian McDermott's performance in this film, I think he's really, really fun. Um, I just don't get, like, what does he want and why? Like, hmm. on, on any level, it's just such a boring idea to me, the idea that he just wants to be president of everything for the sake of being president of everything. Like, if you if you were the most powerful space wizard that's ever lived, you're, you're, you're going to take all that power and be like, you know what I'd like to do with that? I'd like to be president of everything so I can stand in a gigantic room and tell all these senators what they should do. Instead, you could go out into the infinite void and, you know, basically be a god and, and, and create life. I mean, he's just like, you know, I mean, I, I could create any kind of life I want with my infinite powers, but I've, de- I've decided that I'm going to create a shitty little teenager on a desert planet. <laughs> like, that's what he does with all of his power. He creates a shitty teenager and he becomes president of everything. That is the most boring man in the universe, I have to say. So is it supposed to be like a reveal that Chancellor Palpatine and like the Emperor are one and the same? Because I think anyone with eyeballs would come to that conclusion you know i'm I'm gonna go with no given how they're like always two like in phantom menace they're like always two there are and then it cuts to like a close-up ian mcdermott plays palpatine in the original trilogy so right am i i can't remember dom maybe you know but is he called palpatine in the original trilogy or is he just called the emperor yeah he's just called the emperor Okay, but okay, but then this is the thing, though, right? I'm pretty sure that around the time that this film was coming out, they started referring to the Emperor as Emperor Palpatine in like either toy form yeah. or marketing of some kind. Because I remember before Phantom Menace came out, I remember reading the novelization of the film because they sold the novelization of the film before the film came out. And I remember specifically reading 
um, the name like Palpatine in this book. And again, memory is fallible, but like I'm pretty sure that by the time I went to go and see the Phantom Menace in a movie theater, I already knew that that guy was the Emperor from the original trilogy. And so there is yeah. no, despite the fact the film like behaves as though it's a twist, it is in no way a twist, right? It's a reveal for the characters within the film, but not for the audience, I think. Right. I, That's a good yeah, way to look at it. I would agree. Sure. What happens in the end is they all join forces and everything, and the Goongas battle the droids in this huge kind of war and peace battle. That's great. It's going to be great. That's going to be great. I want you to get out of this office right now. I'm sorry, Zed. No That's, way. You brought no way. Zed, I got your voucher. Out! Oh, sorry. We'll have him, like, burned and... Well, I don't even know who that guy is. I mean, as we see in the original trilogy, they want complete fascistic control of the galaxy. So that, I mean, that is Palpatine's goal here. Uh, I agree with you, Adam, that there is really no why, but I think that uh, this is a time when the Jedi are in power, and the why is, you know, this, as old as time. It's Sith, the Sith need to gain power over the Jedi. Right. I don't know how it really... Well, I guess the idea that he creates the Chosen One to get him and the Sith complete power, that's why he did it. Uh, <laughs> that kind of muddies it up. But yeah, like, why did he create Anakin? Star Wars is so smart. I love it. Yes. Well, I'm. I'm tr- a thing I, I kept trying to ask myself, and I don't have any kind of conclusion here. I was just. I was wondering, and perhaps the three of you might have thoughts. Like, do we think that Lucas is trying to say something about chosen one narratives to begin with? No. <laughs> well, I. Uh, so, well, I, I, Trent. I don't remember if we talked about this on air or off air. I, actually, I didn't talk with you with you about it at all. I was talking with it with Claire Bell, friend of the show, who was on our Phantom Menace discussion, but uh, she is a huge fan of Dune, and Mm -hmm. uh, that's pretty famously a, you know, subversion of the Chosen One narrative, and um, we were saying that we think that, I think the Chosen One thing is just a way for Lucas to be like, oh, look, like, he actually is the Chosen One, because in the sixth movie, he saves Luke. Uh, Isn't that fun? Mm -hmm. But it would have been a really unique thing for it to be about how everybody puts their chips on Anakin, and then because they do that, and because they put all this faith in a Chosen One prophecy, everything falls to shit. But that's not really explored in either the text or in the way that it's depicted on film, so I'm going to go with no. We were talking about how these movies are like about how democracy crumbles and how like yeah. in the movie preceding yeah. they have Jar Jar like the senator like be the one who puts Palpatine into power and we're like this is stupid because Jar Jar is the stupidest person in the galaxy and you're saying that only the stupid person could be fooled but it says more if Padme you know a smart person is misled and it's like this is how this can happen to real people. I think that scene with Padme and Anakin where she's saying, what if we are becoming the one thing that we were trying to stop? Like, if you were trying to do, like, a reading of the prequels, I think that is where you would look of Lucas being, right, like... the yeah. political stuff. Sometimes yeah. the deepest evil is right in front of our eyes and we just don't address it. And I think he's really interested in, like, how power corrupts people... Yeah. And Star Wars is always talking about like the dark side of the force is so seductive because there's so much power there. 
what would happen if it took someone over and in the prequel trilogy was when we finally see like what happens and i think mm-hmm. i mean we'll get through one star reviews and then we'll just get straight into the movie i think it's also telling that this movie came out in 2005 like very bush era movies and yes oh yeah i mean the the bit where um anakin says you know you're either with us or against us that's like that's a direct quote from bush yeah. i believe yeah you're either with us or you're with the enemy that's that's clear i will continue to make that clear so one star reviews yes Dom, I want you to start because I just saw the second one and I want to read the second one. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, one star. Worst ever. Animated, period. Hayden Christensen, period. Kashyyyk, period. Kung Fu Yoda. Sterile. What a wretched mess. I hated Star Wars after this. Why is Kashyyyk singled out? Because it has... uh, It means nothing. It's it's spelled incorrectly. It is spelled wrong. True. Only two Ys. So I was I was going to say it was included because it has three Ys in it, but this person has written it with two Ys. So, one star. Didn't order. I didn't even order this. Don't even have a DVD player. <laughs> Existential review. <laughs> you know what even is a DVD player? Yeah, um, right. Parth, you want this one? Uh, sure. So this is from Mark. Star Wars: Revenge of the Sith. Star Wars: Revenge of the Sith. Yep, and and I think what's notable here is that one person found this review helpful. <laughs> it's helpful. So this one's by Amazon customer, and it's titled "A CGI Mess with the Same Wooden Dialogue and Plot Devices That Ruin the Original Trilogy." Uh, and it reads, "The Revenge of the Sith is the best of their prequels, which is like saying that drowning is the best way to die." George Lucas litters needless CGI crap all over the screen. The dialogue is stilted, wooden, and laughable. The lightsaber duels are preposterous. George Lucas went zero for three on the prequels and all but wrecked one of the most beloved franchises of all time. The Force Awakens at least righted the ship, but then The Last Jedi and The Rise of Skywalker were complete cinematic failures. That's an interesting take. I I, I don't often hear people who hate Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker. I find I tend to find people who are one camp or the other. But hating both of them, hot take. People's preferences on the sequel uh, Star Wars movies really just says everything about them. I, I generally judge people's like general intellect by how they view the sequel trilogy. <laughs> like it's, it's a good, a good place to start for sure. Yeah, if they if they think the Force Awakens is better than the Last Jedi, I'm like, hmm. well, this isn't a podcast about the sequel trilogy, Trent, though, is it? It's the it's the prequel winner, guys. All right, so do we want to get into the meat and potatoes, the thick of things? Let's go. All right, so on this show, um, we have to talk about the good and the bad. And what do you want to talk about first? What's working or what's not working? Let's go with what's not working, which is very <laughs> little in my opinion. <laughs> Wait, Dom, so you, like, love this movie? I, I am – I think this is probably – maybe the second or third most like interesting star wars film in terms of like what it's trying to do and uh what it ends up pulling off i would say i think the mo- i'm talking about like the meatiest sort of uh, uh most uh the deepest star wars films i think you would start with last jedi and then the second would be either new new hope or emperor Sh- empire strikes back Probably Empire Strikes Back. And then I think the third would be this. I think it's like, this is a version of Star Wars that I miss. Like these kind of like gigantic space operas with way too many characters and everyone is a super powered individual. 
everything is melodrama, soap opera. Like I like that version of Star Wars, and I think it really is cohesive in this film in a way that it isn't in the other prequels. And I hope that one day we get another Star Wars film like this one because it's very fun. I I did actually find myself thinking, like, I you know I would watch another film like this. Yeah. Um, which I which I, not not a thing I would have expected to think. I think that um, there there's just too much Star Wars at the moment, and most of it is not uh, you know doesn't really work for me. And so even though I don't think that this trilogy or, or you know these these three films are um they don't all work for me and they don't not no single one of them works for me in its entirety and i don't think that the the trilogy on its own works for me but there's a lot of stuff in here that i did end up finding very interesting mm-hmm. yeah uh like it's just undeniable that there is there is something there's, there's something here that isn't in any of the other stuff since then um and I, I really do like... Uh, I love The Force Awakens. I, I really love The Last Jedi. I, and I, I've enjoyed bits and pieces of, uh, of some of the Disney Plus stuff. But I, th- I do think that the sort of um, internal reflexive backlash of Star Wars against the prequels uh, has led to sort of just a whole lot of stuff set on Tatooine. <laughs> and... I don't know, like that's that like that doesn't seem to me to be the most interesting or rich place to to tell stories. There's so much more to this universe. I'm glad we're getting away from kind of the Skywalker family. And it's interesting to see other corners of other groups of people. I just wish they weren't all always going back to the same sort of five locations we've yeah. already been to. The th- I mean this this film showing this film shows us uh you know, it shows us a whole other side of Star Wars. And I wouldn't mind seeing another new side of Star Wars personally yeah when talking about like the first two movies one of the things which we were net negative on we'd say but Mm -hmm. uh what we what at least i found was that i it was interesting to see george lucas just kind of go fuck it and like spend a hundred million (laughs) dollars of his company's money and be like this is the weird story i want to make and you really don't Mm -hmm. see that now um not to like shit on movies coming out now but they're they feel very market focused in a way that yeah, I think that these movies, while they have their like pandering fan service moments, like it, I feel like there's a lot of George Lucas being like, this is something that's interesting to me right now. And I'm just going to put this in this movie, yeah. hell or high water, whether people actually engage with it or care about it. Like I like it. I'm going to put it in there and it's all like weird and like people like obviously i think that some of the dialogue is a problem in the movie but i find his weird sure. way of writing people it's also kind of like as a kid you're like whoa that's like they talk like that in a different world and like that's kind of how i thought of it and it's like i don't know it, it like works for me in a way that i think like not to get into disney too much but like the disney star wars kind of feels too it has to all feel natural and it has to be what the people want and i wouldn't say that i love or really like this movie all that much but like i do appreciate what it represents kind of this movie feels like it's made by a huge fucking dork and that (laughs) makes it a richer experience is how i would summarize a lot of what you just said yeah if i forget to say action or cut just step in and say action and cut you guys are green and blue bad guys are red 
That's just the way it works. No purple left. You, you might get purple. Especially the, 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 the depth of world building that no one asked for. Yes. And the, the way that everyone talks to each other, which is, yeah, completely unnatural. I mean, ha having watched a lot of sort of like B sci-fi from, uh, from like the 60s and 70s, like it feels in line with that. Yeah. And I kept thinking while watching this, it is actually insane that this is one of the most successful media franchises in like the history of of, of media. Like it, it is it is insane, truly. Yeah. I want Star Wars to have this quality of like like I said, like soap opera. It's like a high like like it there's royalty, they're like, you know, fighting for a crown. Everything is impactful and in like you know, everything that happens is is going to change the course of the galaxy. Whereas I think the Star Wars today we're getting on Disney Plus and everything is like very street level. Like, uh, you know, we need to get this one tiny little package across this planet. I don't yeah. want that. I, 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 I'm, I, 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 I don't mind that personally. But. I, I know a lot of people are saying like we need to get away from the Skywalker saga. We need to introduce new ideas. I don't want new ideas in my Star Wars. <laughs> There's enough going on in the Skywalker saga. I want to learn more about the Palpatines. I want to, I want to explore that. That's what interests me. Well, I think that's true and not true because I think the most successful spinoff was Rogue One, which was both within the Skywalker universe and completely outside of it. And I think the counterpoint to that is Solo, which was pretty wholly uninteresting because it was too that's involved true. in the Skywalker saga. Interesting. That's a fair point. Interesting. But to go back to what, what Dom was saying though about um about wanting it to feel sort of like big and operatic and dealing with, you know, the I mean it's interesting that like half of this film is like in theory a political thriller, right? And it's like shot like a political thriller. You know, there's all these scenes of people in like back rooms with, you know, uh, you know, lights coming through like slats in the windows <laughs> and they're having, you know, hushed conversations about the, the future of the galaxy. I don't mind that stuff. I think it yeah. works on some level. And I think a lot of what this film is doing works on some level. I think the thing that doesn't quite work for me and that I wish was in here and that would make this a much more compelling piece is if there was just... Uh, if the characters, I think, were approached in a different way. I think the film is lacking in, uh, in, in any sort of depth for the majority of the main cast of characters in this film. <laughs> yeah. um, in particular... Uh, Anakin, who feels sort of very one note and wishy washy, uh, I think Ob I think uh, Ewan McGregor is doing like a really great job. I think he's like the standout performance in this, and I uh, it is like a gleeful experience to like watch his Obi Wan. But even then, I think because Obi Wan is you know like a Bushido monk, yeah. as all of these like Jedi are, they are all really lacking in anything else other than their their creed uh, well, one of the things yes. i wrote in my notes that we also talked about in the previous one uh, the previous prequels is that i think part of the problem with these movies is that they're not they're not interested in storytelling they're kind of just interested in explaining the lore in kind of like an encyclopedic way and I think mm -hmm. this I think the reason this movie works so well for so many people is that it's the it's the one that most resembles a real movie where I like like <laughs> like George Lucas cutting out like Anakin turns because of 
so he thinks the pl- Jedi are plotting and whatever, like, making it, okay, it's emotional. Like, that is, I think, growth from the previous two films where he's kind of focusing in and being mm-hmm. like, this is what matters. And he's actually, you know, he doesn't have the Phantom Menace problem where there's no protagonist. There's pretty clear people leading the movie. I just think mm-hmm. that the problem with it is that this is supposed to be Anakin's turn, but because we don't really know Anakin in the first movie, and in the second movie he's like on and off a wild, uh, a whiny brat and mm-hmm. annoying asshole, and also sociopath and a murderer. Yeah, and, and, he's a yeah. murderer in that film, like as a, well. like yeah. sand people, women and children. You you have to start off this movie again, showing oh no he is a good guy he is a good guy I promise he didn't kill people, um, but then you also have to end it with him murdering children in cold blood and choking Do his you wife. Know? I mean like I don't I don't think that you need to You didn't need that. Like, but like it like, does I, that. I, you know what I mean? It does do that. I f- I feel like Lucas kind of is really uh actually cruel to the Anakin character. I think that he maybe he hates him. I don't really <laughs> I don't really know. Like I think he, he he doesn't seem to to write him with uh with any indication that this is a character that he loves or cares about. <laughs> I mean, or any of the characters for that matter, but it's particularly glaring when it's your, like, your hero who's going to fall from grace. Because I think having this character uh, go and murder children, like, that that's just, you know, yeah. you never kill kids, you never kill dogs, and whoever is responsible, the audience will never forgive. It's just, like, those are rules that can't be broken. And he has that happen. Then you have him also kind of, like, basically killing his wife, uh, which is also just hard to watch. And finally, he has him get you know, uh, all of his limbs chopped off, and then he's lying in the dirt and catches on fire. I mean, it's like, I don't know. I, th- I think I think George hates Anakin. I've I never think thought this of is, that. I think this is maybe a person looking at the the you know the the beast he's created and and just thinking like, oh god, what have I done? I've got to destroy it all. <laughs> we'll never know what George Lucas really thinks. I know of he's Star a very Wars. unknowable unknowable person. But it is said that like he sees himself in Luke in the original trilogy, and I think you can mm-hmm. see that because there's so much love for Luke in those movies. Yeah, totally right. There, I mean, I think there's a lot of love for Anakin in Episode One. I mean, he's portrayed as this like right jolly, when he's a kid. Like, yeah, like poor little kid. And um, but I, you have to hand it to Lucas to being like, no, like Darth Vader is Darth Vader. Like he's bad. He kills kids. He is the enforcer for the dark side. Like Lucas does go it's out of his way bold move to be like, no, this is Darth Vader, motherfucker. <laughs> like, yeah, this if you're is, gonna have you know, a villain, make him a villain. Yeah. Like, I think he had a problem presented to him where, like, Darth Vader redeeming himself at the end of Return of the Jedi kind of works because you, by that point, can kind of forget about what he's done in the previous two movies because it works within the context of that one movie. But, like, mm. he, f- the problem with this movie, I think, is that it, it has to bridge into the Darth Vader we know from episode four and mm-hmm. that is a very like it, it opens with him like choking someone to death and then like yeah. ramming the, like so he has to find a way to make this likable guy become really awful and i i think that's and scary yeah and scary is you know and so if it's just some the, the main failing is that if you're turning to the dark side just for the person that you love you're probably not gonna immediately turn to these extreme awful things and 
I don't know. I feel like he's not a good enough writer to have got done that like subtly. <laughs> and so he's like, I guess I'll have him choke his wife. I think. I don't. I don't know. If, no. I. I. I really. I don't know if it's about quality of writing. I really think it is that he just has no love for the character. I. Re- I think That's that if you don't, lo- I think you have. You have to love the characters you're writing about to write them effectively. I personally think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. While well, he was burning alive today, I was like, "Shit, this is rated PG. It's pretty. <laughs> it's rated PG thirteen. It's the first one. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, I. I hope it's for that moment because it's particularly intense, and I'm. And I'm not thirteen. You hope it's for that moment and not the moment where he slaughters children? Well, we don't see that, do we? No. Yeah, you, you do. You see it in the bit. hologram. Yeah. Oh. You do. Right. Yeah, it's, like, it's like blue. It's not real. Like, it's fine. Master Skywalker. <laughs> <laughs> Master Skywalker. There are too many of them. What are we going to do? That's such a sad, <laughs> sad scene. Uh, very upsetting. No, this movie is actually, it gets a little metal too, which I've always said, and I've been published <laughs> saying this, that when Star Wars is metal, it's good. The more metal Star Wars gets. And what are the metal moments? I, sir, I, I think, just want to interject and say that I'm, I'm pretty certain that, that Dom, found, Dom got himself published saying that so that he could then, at later dates, bring it up and say, I have been published yes, saying I that Star Wars should be more metal. It should be. <laughs> And I, I, I did, uh, that is my claim to fame uh, on the website I write for. But this movie, uh, there is a sword fight on a lava planet. Like, it, how, do you want, how do you get more metal than that? Sure. Wait, so, good point. Is Star Wars ever metal again? Or is this the pinnacle of metal? Well, so the Colin Trevorrow draft of, of the third uh, sequel trilogy film was a very very metal screenplay and i think they're they retain a few of those elements in the rise of skywalker but not really enough i I, there is some some i think the the monkey that rebuilds adam driver's helmet that's pretty metal (laughs) (laughs) i guess i'm trying to think if anything oh yeah the uh the uh palpatine's uh sith planet in the end of uh oh yeah film uh, very metal planet, lots of lightning, darkness. Palpatine being controlled by like a robotic like uh, apparatus. Anakin, I told you it would come to this. I was right. The Jedi are taking over. The oppression of the Sith will never return. You have lost. No, no, no. You are When. Uh, Palpatine gets shocked by his own lightning and they <laughs> depict the way his skin begins to melt and it's all in CG. Yeah. I would say that it is effective in the sense that it is horrifying to look at, but it is ineffective in the sense that the CG doesn't hold up. Uh, also his Disagree. makeup after that, like the folds on his forehead. And also he has yellow eyes. I don't mind that. That I don't mind. I'm just saying the CG effect of his face melting in real time is both deeply unpleasant and also doesn't hold up. It left him scarred and deformed. What, what are you What are you looking for? <laughs> he becomes Darth Sidious. Fun fact: That's my second memory in a movie theater. Really? Wow. Yeah, my first. What was your first? My first is The Incredibles, which I was three. Oh, good movie. And it's like it's, this. It's oh my god, I'm so old. It's the scene where it, after Mr. Incredible and Frozone got out of the burning building, and they take off their masks. Like, we're never doing that again. And I was like, whoa, that was amazing. And my second one is seeing 
his face get melted. So you both have mo Star Wars, Revenge of the Sith related like monumental moments. Yes. memories. Yes. Yeah, and I get, this wow. is the first time it's coming out. But what else is the oh pod gosh. for? Um, I wrote down in my notes that Yoda looks terrible. Um, <laughs> yeah. We can all agree CG Yoda is a big drag. Do do we yes. like CG Yoda, Yoda a with a lightsaber? Because I personally do not. Yeah, no, I don't like. need it. I don't need it. Like I feel like as a kid I wanted it. Yeah, I did. Yeah, this is the thing. When I when I saw it for the first time, I was definitely into it. But it's you know you you look at these six films as a as a as a as a whole, and it doesn't quite add up to have him doing those things. Uh, this is this is gonna be stupid, but he's like 850 years old here, and then mm-hmm. like clearly he's still able to do backflips. And then within like the next 30 years, like he becomes an old old man. It's like within the grand scheme of his life, this is like right. a split second. A thing with all three of these prequels that I don't think uh, works particularly well is that, and it's classic sort of prequel problem where it's just like. Every, all the technology is more advanced than in the sequels because they had the technology to produce it in a way that looked more interesting and they wanted to play with their toys. And that's fine uh, because those toys have led to, you know, better action films over the last, you know, you know over, the, over the following, you know, two decades. So, you know, whatever, you win some, you lose some. Uh, and also all of the sort of Jedi stuff is really, really over the top because they had the tech to try that stuff out. And it doesn't track with the following three films because, again, it's a prequel and they had better technology when they were making it. You know, it's it's just stuff that it leads to tonal inconsistency and stuff that just makes your, your head kind of spin if you think about it for even a second. I did sort of free myself from all of that on this watch because I'm so used to knowing all of that at this point. It's been almost 20 years of having watched this film. So it's just like... I'm just over it. I'm not. I'm not like bothered by it anymore. Led to a much more interesting and like fruitful um, viewing experience. Uh, just to sort of watch this thing uh, in a vacuum, I think. Which does lead me, however, however, to one more thing that I think doesn't quite work. Mm-hmm. Who's this blue dude with horns that hangs out with Palpatine? Because <laughs> I remember him from all ah, three films. Yes. And I, but my only understanding of this person is that in the Phantom Menace. Uh, Palpatine and, and Padme are like in the Senate together, and they're you know they've made their plea to Chancellor Valorum, played by Terrence Stamp, uh, and you know the Chancellor looks like he might be about to sort of take action against the Trade Federation, and then the blue guy leans in and whispers something, and Palpatine turns to Padme and says, "Enter the bureaucrats," <laughs> and like that's the only thing I know about this guy. Enter the bureaucrats. The true rulers of the Republic. Like, what is his... Like, who is he? What's his deal? So Why is he here? He's actually really pivotal because he says in Attack of the Clones, if only Senator Amidala were here. And then it cuts to the sad close-up of Jar Jar. But what senator would have the courage to propose such a radical amendment? If only Senator Amidala were here. If only... And that's what leads Jar Jar to give uh, emergency mm-hmm. powers to a very the moving speech. So. Right, and then in this film, he has like one line of dialogue, which is when they look when they when when Palpatine hasn't killed Yoda, and he's just like, you know, double your search efforts, or or if you know, or if you haven't found the the body, then then he's not dead. Yeah. So he has like one line in in each movie, but he also serves two different regimes that have two completely different political <laughs> ideologies it doesn't make any sense 
If you could be any character in Star Wars, who would you be? Uh, I don't know. I like all the characters. Jar Jar Binks. Jar Jar Binks. Isa, Your Highness. Maybe Lucas is making a cynical statement on the uh, uh. on the nature of government, and that uh, you know uh, lobbyists will uh, will hang around uh, with, with whomever best supports their uh, their their personal real Benicio uh, del Toro move. Still, Still mm -hmm. doesn't explain. Yeah, there you go. Still doesn't explain why he needs Yoda dead specifically, but sure. Well, that's the thing about these prequels, Adam, is that there is definitely a name for that character and a lot of backstory mm -hmm. and justification. And any problem that you throw at me, I can justify. Based You'll find it in Wikipedia. I know. Yeah, based on my Star Wars brainwashing, like it makes com I in complete sense that they would lose. <laughs> the capacity to fight like they did in this film because the Jedi Order is squashed. There's no one teaching them to fight like this. Obi-Wan grows old. And, uh, I mean, I don't know what more justification you need there. The same with the technology. We know that when fascism comes into power, uh, technology changes. I would say that in this case, you know, a lot of the colorful sort of advancements in technology are crushed by the Empire in favor of a more like autocratic sort of uh black and white uh society i actually do buy that that actually does work. <laughs> any justific i can get i can justify any problem you have look dom <laughs> i <laughs> i'm just like you okay <laughs> i spent many nights uh in uh Many many nights and weekends in uh, in in middle and high school, just reading <laughs> Wikipedia articles, learning about Darth Bane, and Darth Plagueis, and all of these all these characters that have, you know were in like one comic once. And yet, I still feel all these other things. <laughs> the, the blue guy, his name is Moss Amida, and he is the there you go. Chancellor Valarum's vice chancellor. He's the vice chancellor. He, he's the chancellor's chancellor. See, there was a time, uh, uh, Parth and Trent, that uh, Adam was a very big Star Wars fan. I knew that Adam variant. How and the there, mighty have fallen. There was a, 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 a transitional period, I would say, in the past like three years where Adam transitioned from big Star Wars fan like me to just some other person <laughs> like everyone else. And I'm left here alone in my Star Wars fandom. Look, just because I don't redecorate very often, there is still a, like, 1977 reprint poster, you know, over there, and there is a Force FX uh, Obi-Wan lightsaber <laughs> over there with a couple Black Series figures. Look, I need to redecorate, but yeah. Yes, with more Star Wars stuff. I, I think the thesis <laughs> statement of Prequel Winter for Parth and I has been like, all right, we both really like Star Wars, but how do we talk about it without seeming like dinguses? You know, like isn't yeah. that the balance strike? Yes, it's a hard thing. It's thing. a hard thing to like and a hard thing to tell someone else that you like. I have I have no uh, I have no issue. Yeah, telling especially people. in the last couple of years. I, yeah. don't, I don't feel I don't feel embarrassed <laughs> at all to tell anyone. It's not that it's not that I feel embarrassed. It's more that like I don't want to like I I I'm I'll, it's like I'm talking about Star Wars here. I feel comfortable doing it here. <laughs> But I basically don't it's ever want to talk, talk about Star Wars with anyone ever, ever again. Like, it's just like a, a fruitless thing that ends in peril. I, There's that's no the way around between that. You and me. I feel like the problem I generally have when talking about Star Wars is that it's like, you kind of have to find someone that likes the same Star Wars you do, or yes. like, in yes. the same yes. way you do. Because the problem yeah. is that it's like, exponentiated so largely that like, 
like you can have someone that likes any aspect of it and like if if you like one half and the other person likes the other half you will never see eye to eye the thing is though i don't think you need to see eye to eye with someone to have like a normal human conversation i think the problem is that most of these people are fucking sith lords who deal in absolutes (laughs) that is the problem that's the problem only a sith would say that This is a time in Star Wars history where every everything that happens on screen is going to impact the entire universe, which I very much like. The lightsaber battles in this film are, I think, some of the best in the entire franchise. I know people don't but like the Mustafar they have battle. Too but many, they have too many close-ups in these agree. lightsaber battles. Yeah. Too many close-ups. Yeah. I, I also feel like they go on too long. I think the biggest thing, being a kid and seeing this, that I remember is... Going to this knowing Obi-Wan and Anakin are going to fight because we, yeah, we saw true. that in all the advertising. It's going to be really cool. Lucas's idea that like the two you know most powerful Jedi at the top of their game and um, we're going to see a lightsaber battle like we never saw before. That is cool. But I, I don't know if I was just a very dumb little boy, but I didn't realize that that fight scene was going to be intercut with Yoda fighting Darth Sidious. With the old and that man, fucking the old rules. Man off. Yeah. Yes, that is a great intercut. I mean, that's a great surprise. We didn't know that was going to happen. We, did, we didn't know how that battle was going to end. Who knew Yoda was going to fall down a tube in his pajamas? <laughs> <laughs> and that was how it was going to end. I, I love that he loses that fight and he's just like, all right, time for me to go live in a swamp. <laughs> <laughs> and that justifies why Yoda is so old and wretched in Empire Strikes Back. It's because he went to live on a swamp for, like, decades and lost his powers. The the biggest thing that I think of why <laughs> this movie is good is because in 1999 and 2002, the technology wasn't ready for George Lucas's vision, and now it's fucking there. It was ready to support the, uh, the world he had in his mind, and the other two, he, he couldn't help but make himself look a little bit dumb by the grandness of his own ideas. I also feel like he's That's dealing good. with the I most... Agree with that interesting mm-hmm. things in this movie or like the mo- the things that matter the most to the characters and the other two movies kind of just feel like things happening to people that I don't know I don't really care and this one has like oh he's turning into Darth Vader I can get down with that I mean yeah this, this is the end of a trilogy it's like all payoff yeah I, 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 I just wrote in my notes that like this movie is like going 100% like Pretty much the whole time. Like, they do not let you rest. There is one moment of rest. I'm actually glad you brought this up. This is one of my favorite moments in the film on this watch. And this is the uh, the moment where uh, Mace Windu has told Anakin, go and wait in the Jedi Council chambers. We're going to go and uh, take care of Palpatine. Uh, you need to stay behind. And Anakin, like, looks out across the city. And him and Padme, like are looking at each other but they're not looking at each other and everything is so quiet and they're just like breathing at each other <laughs> it is the strangest like quietest little scene in the middle of this film that i i just found it so uh baffling to the point that i then found it 
enthralling. And I now think it's one of the most important scenes in the film. <laughs> they keep, in this movie and the past movie, they keep returning to like a split diopter thing of Anakin in the foreground and Padme in the background. And they're both, <laughs> and they're both facing the same direction and they're having a conversation. Um, yeah, no, just how classic people, soap opera. How people talk to the each thing other. is though, it isn't even split diopter because of the way that this film is shot. It's actually just two different shots of two different people composited together because they're each you know they were just shot in it's like speed racer where yeah. like everyone is right, shot yeah. in focus and then they're just stacked next to each other uh, on a cartoon background which they also do again on Mustafar with uh, with Obi-Wan and Anakin and it looks so weird <laughs> another thing I noticed uh, thanks for bringing up the Mace Windu scene because everybody in this movie is always just like walking around waiting for the editor to cut to them and 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 like I love it, that. it was most apparent in a scene like it's Anakin and the Emperor and they're just walking around and I don't know why they edited it like this but there's like like three full seconds of them walking silently and then it finally cuts into their close-ups and it's like so Anakin and it's so bizarre and I want more of that I want more of that in Star Wars more pregnant pause Star Wars yes yes. <laughs> Uh, does anyone have any closing notes before we enter the rating gauntlet? Well, I'm just curious if I, I have not. I'm wondering, has anyone here um, checked out any of the High Republic stuff? Because I feel like that's closer to this era of Star Wars than uh, is that like than anything else, right? Or this is like Lucasfilm's new thing. Yeah. Is that they they they've got this new era of Star Wars, and it's all set in this sort of like, is it the prequel timeline or is it before the prequel timeline? It's like. It's close enough to the prequel timeline that Yoda is a young man, but okay. still far enough that like the events of the High Republic, I don't think have much bearing on on like the Skywalker saga. I uh, because I've written about Star Wars a few times for Esquire, they uh, Disney sent me like a bunch of the High Republic stuff, and I was like, oh, cool, maybe I'll like be a guy who reads like Star Wars books. <laughs> But uh, I paged through them, and, like, three of them were clearly for kids. They're, like, like not even YA novels. Like, they were just, like, seems like four kids. And then uh, the others kind of seemed a little bit kind of like YA. And one of them was, like, a novel, novel. But they were all just written in such big text. <laughs> that I just <laughs> felt like such a weirdo just, like, reading, like, like huge <laughs> books. <laughs> uh, the comic books seem kind of cool, but... Uh, that's as much as I know about the High Republic. But maybe maybe we'll get more of what you want here, Dom. Maybe we'll get more of this, like, you know, big operatic stuff with political intrigue and stuff. Well, there's that show coming to Disney+. Plus. I think it's called The Acolyte that I think is set in the High Republic. And it is, like, supposed to be, like, political intrigue and espionage and that kind of stuff. So, Do you, do you trust down. them to do it well? Yeah, I think so. I think The Mandalorian was fucking great. I mean, overall... I think most of the episodes were pretty great quality. I did not love CGI Luke Skywalker, but I <laughs> I do like like them going back to basics as much as I want them to get back to, you know, the big sword fights on top of mountains. Like I do enjoy that they were like humble enough to be like, why why don't we start from like just some guy in the West? <laughs> like some mm -hmm. little western and then we'll see what the rest of this fucking thing's gonna be i agree i i, I like a, i think there's a lot to like in what they're doing there yeah um but i i do i do drop off any time it connects to sort of larger larger stuff because it feels really 
kind of um, it feels incongruous with the rest of how the show operates. That's when I plug in, baby. <laughs> <laughs> what I will say briefly, like you talking about the Star Wars, you getting excited about reading a Star Wars book and then there being like 80 pages and the text being really large. I will say I recently went to Disneyland and I was really jazzed about going to like the Star Wars part or whatever. And I will say um, you get onto the ride and then you're like, shit, like they have tasked me with just like pushing this rectangular button to shoot for the next like 10 minutes and there are just like eight-year-olds going fucking ham behind me and it's just like we've got ourselves obsessed with a thing that is not meant for us and that every day we are getting further away from from what they're looking for but this is the problem with all of popular culture at the moment is that it is all made for a baseline of everyone can and should be able to enjoy this which means that everything you like needs to also be consumable by four five six seven eight year olds <laughs> which means that if you get into it which you're probably going to do because they only make one kind of movie and it's this kind of movie then at the end of the day the, you have no choice but to get obsessed with a thing made for you know eight-year-olds yeah that's not entirely your fault you know that is what has happened to popular culture so you sitting there feeling weird about punching the button as you know the eight-year-olds are screaming their heads off like in the eyes of our corporate o- overlords we are all eight-year-olds pushing a button <laughs> so i think point. i think with that we should enter the rating gauntlet. <laughs> all right <laughs> and so parth you want to explain the rating gauntlet and what happens there it's really a dreadful wasteland sure uh wait oh do we do the atomic bomb sound effect yeah, so whenever we say the ratings gauntlet, we drop, like, a nuclear bomb sound effect, and then all the guests um, do, like, a scream, like, like the explosion just hit you, and then when with the sound effect, it sounds really good. Okay, great. All right. I, I, can't, I can't scream as Wait, my wife he, is asleep. No, no, no. You do, like, not, a not, fake little scream. Like a, no. Like a, ah. Also, it's a nuclear bomb, so your reaction should be pretty brief. Okay. So I was thinking about this earlier, and in reference to your xenomorph, um, your xenomorph, summer. yeah, xenomorph summer. Thank you. Prequel winner, xenomorph summer, all the same. Thank you. Um, I, in listening to all those episodes, whether in a deleted scene or a featured scene, I made the observation. I was like, huh, there's a uh, there's a beat where someone begs for death in like every one of these movies. <laughs> yes, and it always hits home. You're like, wow, they really wanting to die means means something. Yes, with the return of uh, you know, with 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 this new COVID variant, I have of course been thinking a lot about um, Alien Three again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've been thinking about that moment where she uh, she begs the xenomorph to kill her, and it won't. Tom, get over here. We got a live one. You're gonna be all right. You're gonna be all right. Just stay calm. We're gonna get you out of here. Yeah, it's almost like the worse the status of the world gets, the closer you get to Alien Three. Yeah. Yes. Just as a general yeah. trend. I think you should put a Wilhelm scream in during that bomb. Sound <laughs> yes. Effect. You can, wow. you can t- take out take out my my flimsy voice and just put a Wilhelm scream in there. In fact, just take out my entire portion of this podcast and just put Wilhelm screams for an hour and a half. Okay. That's, that's the Chinese bootleg cut. <laughs> yeah. I don't want. <laughs> Do not want. 
Um, so the ratings gauntlet works a little bit like um, you rate it one out of ten. You talk. Uh, you you would you recommend it to a friend? And how rewatchable is the film? Um, okay. Dom, you've been nominated. Okay, so I rate it out of ten. And then what are the other two things? How rewatchable do you find it? And would you recommend it? Oh, okay. This should be easy for me. Let's see. Revenge of the Sith. I would give. I'll give a strong seven out of ten. Um, would I re Would I recommend it to people? I honestly think I would. I would say if you're getting into Star Wars, I think you should watch this, and then the original trilogy, and then Force Awakens and Last Jedi, and that's it. And that's where it ended, right? So yes, there's no others. It, and what I what, oh sorry, good. I was just gonna say, isn't it a little bit of the of a curse for like your best installment to be the last one with like the pretty necessary context of the preceding two? Because you can't uh, like you know if a stranger on the street, you can't just be like go watch Revenge of the Sith. You'll understand what's going I don't on. Know. I mean, can you? It is a prequel, so we already I, know where it goes. We're just getting and a there's glimpse. So of, little yeah. like. There's no, the, the, as we've already said, the characters don't have much depth in them to begin with, so it's not like you're missing much by having not seen the first two films. You have all the information you need. This one's a bit whiny. He wants to be the, yeah. you know, the, the Jedi Master. They won't let him, so he's got weird feelings about that. There's an old guy that's, like, whispering, you know, sweet nothings in his ear. You know, there's, you, you get it. <laughs> I, I guess, like, by making it so oversimplified... Like, they make it digestible, like, just to the casual person who is, like, dragged into the theater without, like, who's not a longtime fan, which is kind of a beautiful thing about it. Because then it's more accessible, at the very least, even if it's just because it's mundane. That's true. I mean, what I feel like what we want out of the Star Wars prequels is is the thing that happens in this film. I, I don't know that anyone mm-hmm. wanted to see Anakin Skywalker as a, like, wimpy little boy. Like, is, who wants that? <laughs> but this is pod racing. The pod racing scene is good. Yeah, it's fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I was watching a documentary about, like, the Phantom Menace coming out. And, like, the original poster of that, it's, like, little boy Anakin. And then in his shadow. The Darth Vader shadow, the, I remember that. And yeah. people were, like, freaking the fuck out. Yeah, and it's very good. I, and I think that plays into what you're saying in that people wanted to see, like, like bad boy Anakin. Like, they wanted to see Darth Vader as a kid. How rewatchable? I mean, it's infinitely rewatchable for me. This is like a bowl of popcorn for me. Like, I would just pull it, put it on just to, like, you know, uh, satiate myself. And it never, it's never bad. Um, Adam, step up to the plate. I'm going to give this, uh, my rating's pretty close to Dom. I, I'm probably going to give it a 6.5 out of 10, I think. Um, really? I actually, yeah. I thought yeah. you didn't like actually, this movie. You know, you're, you're back on board. I had a pretty good time uh, watching it today. Um, Star I'm Wars Adam is back. Uh, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> um, you haven't heard the rest of what I have to say. I'm going to reorganize your questions because I want to talk about the rewatchability. I agree with Dom. It was very, it was, I found it to be a very watchable film. Um, I had no... Uh, I, I enjoyed my experience watching it because the film was always interesting because it is just so weird. Like the quality we talked about earlier of like this being made by like a huge dork makes the film so weird and again as as blockbuster films continue to get more and more like samey uh this this like 
just accidentally, like through the passage of time, becomes like an interesting relic of a time that no longer exists. So I find it very watchable, um, and I give it a 6.5 for those reasons. Uh, I would not recommend this or any film with the words Star Wars in the title to anyone who has not previously seen any Star Wars film. If you are free of the disease that is watching Star Wars, uh, continue to remain free of it because I don't want you to suffer and I don't want to talk about this film with you or anyone <laughs> or any of these films. Wow. Wow. Um, really I, re- I love Star Wars. For us, though. Yeah. I love Star Wars. <laughs> It's complicated. Um, I wrote down in, in the middle of the movie that this is a hard seven, um, which I hold true. Yeah. I, Parth, like you mentioned earlier, this is the first time George Lucas like made like a real movie, and by that I mean like there's a general cause and effect from one scene to the next, and I really appreciate. Well, and I really made a new hope. No, no, well, no like no. like with the prequels. the prequels. With the prequels. Okay. Okay. And in this case, I really appreciate it. Like, and also just like a bunch of people shooting each other the whole time i'm there um less i mean there's enough walking around and talking in rooms and shot reverse shot but a lot of droids exploding i think it says something that like even though we didn't understand any of the dialogue while we were respectively six like it something about it taps into every every young child's brain and like it's universal like you can't it it has an x factor that like we're all here trying to put our finger on it's George Lucas. That's the X factor. Yeah. <laughs> for better or for worse. Yeah. Out of ten, I'm like, uh, I'll give it like a six. Like, uh, and then uh, I find it very rewatchable because I am uh, not free of the disease. I love Star Wars, and I'll take what I can get. It doesn't matter what it is. Um, and would I recommend it? Yeah. Like of all the prequels, I would say this is the one that's like you can have a good time watching it. It's it's fun. It's a good time. And I think that, like, again, this, like we mentioned, it's it's the one that has the stuff that if you're a fan of the original trilogy, you would want to see. You know, but there's always this little part of you is saying, what am I doing? Jar Jar is a key to all this. If we get Jar Jar working, because he's a funnier character than we've ever had in any of the movies. Yeah, we can't let it be cute. It's got to look rugged. And rolls down. Okay. You want to do that, or you want to have a stunt guy do that? Uh, I'll do it if you'd like me to. Well, that's up to you. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's, it's kind of rolling sideways in the dirt. Well, if you think you'll see my face and it's worth having me do it, then probably happy to do it. This is, what, January 2nd this gets released? This is the first episode of the new year. So, yeah. welcome 2022. Happy New Year, everyone. Yeah. Happy New Year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What comes next? That's that's nebulous, actually. I think we're taking a hiatus for like a little bit, right, Trent? Who's to say, right? Podcasting is a contact sport, you know. Yeah, we we honestly do not know. <laughs> um, Trent, I don't have anything to plug. You do. Uh, do you guys want to plug a little scene of the crime, and then we can all get out of here, and go to bed? Sure. Yeah. Um... Yeah, uh, you can check out all of Eye of the Duck, Scene of the Crime in its entirety. Uh, we've now finished that miniseries, and uh, I guess by the time this episode airs, we'll have probably uh, announced our next miniseries, but I don't want to announce it here, just in case we haven't. <laughs> uh, but there will be more Eye of the Duck every week, uh, coming to your uh, device every Monday. Uh, and uh, yeah, I hope you'll join us. Yeah, we come out on Sundays, Day of the Lord, and then... 
You can have Eye of the Duck afterwards. There you go. An, an ungodly day. Great double feature. 2022, guys, I think is going to be the year of craft services and Eye of the Duck. I agree. I think I think we're going to take over the galaxy. And what we're going to do with mm-hmm. that power, I don't know. But it's about it's about the acquisition. <laughs> Sorry, I'm exactly. just, I was reminded of that moment where Palpatine screams out <laughs> unlimited And also, that happens during the scene in which he's trying to convince Anakin that he is not a like power-hungry person. Part of why this film is is as Dom says, infinitely rewatchable is just Palpatine. Yeah, like he's great. In he's the, is so he's good. the main character of this film. Sheev, old Sheev, <laughs> old Sheev. That's my man. Big fan of old. And the other two prequels, I kind of hate Palpatine, but I, I'm I'm around on the Palpatine wagon this time around. Yeah. Yes. The, Palpatine, good. The uh, there's that amazing sound he makes when he does that like corkscrew move. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah. <laughs> the, the, the ca- it's treason, then. <laughs> Caption, the caption said, uh, growling, snarl. <laughs> snarl continues. That's the sheev sound. Should we, should we talk about... Okay, so Mace Window pulls up with three Jedi to face to face um, the Emperor. And let's just talk about how quickly two of those three Jedi Masters just go down. Well, I can yeah. justify this for you guys easily. Because <laughs> I've looked into it. Sheev has clouded their minds using Sith uh, mind techniques. That's why he's able to kill them so easily. And Kit Fisto puts up a, yeah, he a does. fight. Yeah, he does. It's respectable. He tries. He lasts exactly one second more <laughs> than the other Jedi. <laughs> Which yep. personally is a bummer because I think Kit Fisto is great. Is, and is I, Kit I would, Fisto I would the have one with the tentacles? Who is yeah. Yes. yes. Okay. He's very so happy. I, yeah. So actually, this, this, this brings up something I'm, I wanted to ask all of you. So all, all four of us are, are filmmakers in, in one regard or another. And so as you know... Um, being a, a director of films, the way that the industry is shaped now, essentially the best you can hope for as a working director is to eventually get to direct a Disney Plus uh, series that's a spin-off of a very unimportant character from one of the four IPs that they champion. So, which Star Wars character uh, that is uh, appears in this film would you be honored and delighted to be the director of? What series? Big Forehead Guy. <laughs> Who's Big Forehead Guy? You mean Coyote Mundy? Yeah, pardon me. Oh, I like Coyote Mundy. He's good. He's British, Adam. <laughs> sore spot, sore spot. I don't think they have England in... Uh, <laughs> in yes, but you have to admit, he is very British. Everyone in these films uh, are English because they make these films in England. That's a good point. Wait, so what are some other minor characters on the Jedi Council that you guys want to... Well, it doesn't have to be the Council. It could be anyone in in this film. I mean, this is a serious question. I've thought about this (laughs) a lot throughout my life. There is a lot of storytelling to be done here. You could easily do a pod racing TV show. That would be very cool. I think if you did like a pod racing show or film that was just a fucking sports drama set yeah. in Star Wars world, like, like that would be great. Would that be Speed Racer? S- similarly, well, kind of, maybe. I don't know, but you could do anything with it. Rush, because but sp- pod racing. Any, any kind of sports Fast movie has such like an effective built-in formula, you know? And then The Rock like, shows up? It's insane. 
Yeah, put the rock in it. Sure, why not? Actually. <laughs> My favorite character has always been Plo Koon, um, who He's like the cockroach face guy, right? I guess, if that's how you're going to put it. He's well, got he's got, that, got like, like mandibles. Yeah, he's got that oxygen thing on his face. Oh, um, that guy. Yeah, which apparently... Uh, what's Who is the new Star Wars man now with the cowboy hat? Dave Filoni. Yeah, Dave Filoni. His favorite character is apparently Plo Koon. Great minds. <laughs> and he... Uh, to, th- to throw people off with the big Luke reveal at the end of The Mandalorian, he actually had like a Plo Koon like uh, computer generated uh, shot like on like drives and stuff so hoping that it would get leaked out that people thought it was going to be Plo Koon that shows up in that scene well red herring I love that but Plo Koon is dead he dies in this film in order 66 we would never have bought that I would never have bought that Mm-hmm. I think Order 66, that whole montage is pretty metal. The time has come. Execute Order 66. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's a I, great that's montage. I could watch minor Jedis get killed on alien planets we'll never see again <laughs> all day. So that's the thing. A couple of those great do look like, like heavy metal album covers. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> like Commander Cody? Like, he's cool. I guess he's they're, in the They already made us. They, they, they made a series about yeah, him. but that's for, like, kids. Like, that's that's for children. That's like, true. I, yeah, but that's but that's canon. You can't touch it now. I'm talking like what's 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 your series? You want to be like one of the lava robots, like the lava scooping. Like, do robots? I want like a like a Newt Gunray, like my offensive Thai accent? Like, do I retcon that? What do I do with that? <laughs> I think you have to retcon that. Yeah. I think that we may see a Revenge of the Sith era hero appear in the Book of Boba Fett. I wouldn't be surprised. I think that the secret... I think the Book of Boba Fett is actually about things way different than what we're expecting. In the same way with The Mandalorian, we had no idea Baby Yoda was in it. I don't think they've shown us like anything from what the actual show is going to be about. I think it's either going to be about Boba Fett trying to enact his revenge on Han Solo, or... It's about Boba hmm. Fett tracking down Mace Windu, who is still alive, mm. living in hiding. Um, maybe one of his arms is a mechanical arm. They've Mace all got Windu mechanical arms. Killed his father, beheaded his father in front of him. He would have every reason to go after him. Oh, shit. That's, That's true. Yeah, totally forgot about that. That is a basic motivation. That. Question for you guys. When, when Boba Fett picks up the head in Taco Clones, is the severed head still in the helmet? <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Okay. Where else definitely. would it go? Okay, I'm just wondering. No, but like it should be heavier, and like, yeah. it, should fa- it should fall out. <laughs> yeah, they should have had it fall out. You're right. <laughs> that would have been classy. All right. Well, I'll say I want to do. I want to do the. Uh, I want to do the general Grievous origin mm. story. Oh, that's a great. I'm idea. into that. They cool. get into him a little bit in that in that animated series, but that's not canon anymore. Oh, that's it's true. a legend. He's great in that show, though. He is He's very scary. I want to be the filmmaker that depicts how he got asthma. Yeah, no, death sticks. Is that the first? <laughs> <laughs> That's very funny. Is that the first? Is that show the first where they first showed Cardinal Grievous? I feel like I feel yeah. like that's true. Yeah, I believe he did made it, he made his debut in that show. Unless yeah. he showed up in some fucking action figure or comic or something. Like I'm ready for the episode to be done too, but quickly explain to me like where like what the what the book of Boba Fett is. Like, when's that coming out? 
I, I, next two weeks, weeks right? or something, yeah, it's right? very soon. Yeah. So it really seems like with... We were talking about Django Fett, and we are like, wow. They, after Jar Jar didn't work out, they were like, who's the fan favorite character ever? Boba Fett. Let's just make <laughs> him again. And then it seems like they did that with the Mandalorian, and now they're like, just dudes in these suits seem to be pretty successful. Let's do it again. Yeah, they're really banking on these Mandalorian things. But it, it's paying off. I mean, they made them very, very captivating. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I think that's about that on that. Yeah, I, I think we've covered Revenge of the Sith pretty well. Thoroughly. Uh, thank you to our guests, Adam and Dom, for coming on. Thanks for having us. Thank you. It was Crossover a pleasure. event of the century. Yeah, start our out 2022 strong. Our forefathers will, talk, will tell their grandkids all about this. Remember, the dark side of the Force is a pathway to abilities some may consider to be <laughs> unnatural. <laughs>